All right, so today we're going to be talking about playing multiple sports and the benefits of it and some of the cons from it and what age you should start doing it at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, as we know, uh, my context is going to be into javelin. I have a lot to say on this topic, and yours is going to be in terms of baseball. But what um, what is your experience with, with sports specialization? Because I feel like um, I feel like the two sports are opposite in this in this realm a lot of the time. You know, because a lot of the time you see like a prime example is Jordan, where this is now his fourth year throwing javelin, and this is the first year he's only thrown javelin because he always played at least football um, in addition to throwing javelin, and you see that very commonly in the high school and college level. But I feel like there's a lot of baseball players that only play baseball like year round, starting at like ten. Yeah, and. My biggest like pet peeve with that is like they just play baseball and they can't do anything else. So when you see them in the weight room and stuff, they they could be really good baseball players, but they just suck at moving because all they do is they hit off the tee. Or they, the worst is when some like a fourteen year old tells me he's a PO. I was actually gonna make a post about it because that pisses me off so much. I'm like, dude, you're a freshman in high so school. So when someone is when a PO, it, P, it POs you. If you yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good one. like. You're 14 years old. You can't say you're a pitcher only. Like, you can't. Like, you're capping yourself out so early. Like, the only reason why a coach tells you, like, this is 100% true, like, in my experience, and, like, the people that come up to me and they say, like, they're only a PO at 14 is because they suck at everything else. Like, they can moderately throw a baseball pretty well off the mound, but they can't move laterally. They're slow. They're weak. They're not explosive. They have no athletic bone in their body, and all they do is pitch. Which is fine in the college, or like, or later in high school, maybe college. If that's what you want to specialize in. But I just know Jacob Degrom was drafted as a shortstop. Mm. Like, wasn't drafted as a pitcher. And then you have these other instances of other pitchers that are just extremely athletic because they've played multiple positions or multiple sports. That when they go onto the mound, they just move so much more with more fluidity, and they actually are just an athlete and not just a PO. Like that just sucks. Like. Because like the coaches just don't believe in them, and they don't want to see their development, and so that's where the other sports can come into play. Like even if you do suck at basketball, like just go play pickup with some of your boys. Like it doesn't have to be an organizational thing. Because like I know AAU, for the most time is a money grab. That's why Bobby White always says good drill, because he said everything was like elite. Like everything's elite. Like your twelve year old elite showcase, elite camps, elite this, elite that. Like. None of these kids are elite. Like these kids suck. Like yeah. they're not good. They're not elite. Like elite is the NBA. Like most yeah. people but are elite. You ever seen the Brian Scalabrini take on that? Oh yeah. Like Scal is like, like I'm closer to LeBron James, or like Michael Jordan, than you will ever be. And he was a bench warmer. Yeah. No. No. He was that saying, one? or he, yeah. Well, he said something like that. But I think the way he said it was like, I'm close. He Brian Scalabrini said, I'm closer to Michael Jordan than you are to me. Yeah. So basically, like, the gap between Brian and, and Jordan was, like, probably like this. But he's like, the gap between Brian and some random dude off the street is still like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's true. A little off topic of that. But, um... Basketball. <laughs> basketball is a different sport. <laughs> I mean, but even, like, in my experience, just not really caring about baseball and just working on, like, my just athleticism and getting faster and jumping higher... Like, playing spike ball, like, I can compete pretty 
I, I compete really hard in spike ball, and it's funny watching kids that only do the one thing, and they get to this new game, and they're just like have no coordination with it. They just don't know what it is until they play it more and more. Obviously, because it's a it's a skill in itself. But I think being able to play different sports just opens you up for a much more wider range of movement uh, capabilities, and they're just able to like in their sport if they have to do something that isn't structured like a way a drill is like that's what the sport is mm. they're able to make that play yeah and it's not going to be textbook drilling of like the like the hop step the glove out and everything's so routine and like militaristic that you have to have some type of flow and i don't know who said this but i liked it a lot is like the strength conditioning side of things shouldn't be looked at as a science more so of an art it's like art is much more abstract and you can look at things of movement qualities in different areas to solve different problems. And I think that's what sports need to look like too. Because baseball, everything is just, you have to do it this way. Like you have to do your T work, you have to do your front toss, you have to hit off the machine. Mm -hmm. But you're never really working on just being an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I tried to bring over at the grind with like the speed and agility work and like the plyos. And it's not going to be sports specific. I know baseball gets very like you have to do your med ball shot, but exactly how you do like your like your somersault that you got from Austin into it like that's sick. I love yeah. that because it's just a different quality. Like you're never never gonna do that in a sport. Yeah, never. Yeah. That's not the point. It's not it's not to mimic the sport. That's yeah. I think that's what a lot of coaches get wrong. Like there's a time and a place to do sport specific work, but if you're just like a shitty mover. Yeah. And you can't do anything like those guys, like your high school yeah. baseball group, they couldn't do a somersault yeah. at all. Like, that's yeah. bad. Well, I mean, opinion. I think they could have done it, but I think it was running into it and then mm -hmm. running into it with the med ball in your hand was just like throwing them through a loop. Yeah. Like, Kieran, I don't know, he might not have been able to at all. But like, <laughs> I remember the first time I made Kieran do a somersault. Like, he just yeah. couldn't. We yeah. spent 30 minutes learning how to do a somersault. Yeah. Dude, I, I remember one time, like, I was, demo I was demoing one on the turf, like, without the mat and, like, I was getting all into it and fired up, and I did, like, a straight-up, like, front flip and just landed on my back and, like, knocked the wind out of myself. Yeah, but you get up and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, because I was, like, you know, I was explaining how, like, almost to be able to roll to the point where you stand up and sprint out of it, you have to, like, get your shoulder blade, like, on the ground before your head hits the ground. You can't get your the top of your head on the ground and then roll onto your, like, butt. Yeah. It's, like, you're, you're going, like, have you ever seen, like, a stunt double in a movie when they jump and then they they start the turn while they're still in the air mm -hmm. you know but it's like that's exactly what you're talking about it's not like something like the freaking like science and whatever it doesn't really matter at the end of the day as long as like you're able to like move and be an athlete and that was like what i was telling you about that that coach that tagged me in that post today it was just a long ass paragraph of like um, the science says this and the biomechanics are that and I'm like alright well what about being a mover first and like what about well if it works for my athlete and instructing it this way works for him then you know why is that such a bad thing you know it's like obviously it's like a person by person basis and like it if my athlete is able to move well because of how I've trained him and um, have gotten him healthy and gotten him to the point where he like enjoys the sport and is loose and fluid with it then it's like the 10 degrees this way 10 degrees that way with the front hip and the the right you know with the front leg and the right hip whatever it doesn't really matter yeah, shut up nerd <laughs> just like that's what like 
you get you see that a lot in baseball too like everything gets measured in like the biomechanical way with like the goniometers and yeah. everything everything has to be like a specific joint angle and like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah when you get to a point like yeah it has to look a certain way or like be achieved a certain way but there's plenty of great pitchers that yeah don't fit that mold i'm sure there's oh, plenty of, of great javelin throwers well, that don't yeah. do exactly what the biomechanics say it's just well, everyone's everyone's going to be slightly different and research is great like obviously like that's why we look at it and we study it but we also have to take into account the population that they're researching that was my always my biggest thing is whenever someone brings up the research like what was the population yeah it's like oh you had 10 people that never trained before and you <laughs> did this and now they they can like hit the ball a little further like yeah no shit yeah like no there's no research and like, it was like backed by a, a company that like you know that article would benefit their product or whatever yeah you know I, what I mean i was um listening to the podcast with a uh, chad chili uh on um austin's podcast yeah i remember him and he um he's like a wrestler guy right no he was he trained a lot of special ops oh, like yeah, navy yeah. seals and like he, sh- he has like a whole bunch of different people that he worked with but he was like, I had a guy trying to deadlift 800 pounds, like work up to 800 pounds. There's no research article anywhere that has a set plan to get you to 800 pounds. Like it's a, you got to make it up, <laughs> like take your best guess. And I think that's where a lot of the movement uh, quality is coming. Cause there's no, there's, there's no research well, about like, you can't quantify being a better mover. You can yeah. quantify the, the vertical jump and the sprint times. And like, that's all great. But how they look and how they feel and just how they can react to different problems and solve them. You can't put that in research. Like there's really no data showing that. Yeah. Like, I think that's why it was always funny because TCU, it was TCU versus Georgia in the um, championship, right? Like two years ago in college football mm-hmm. and TCU did everything by the book. Like they, they did everything right in terms of SNC and the, the essentials of training conditioning textbook, everything was perfect. They played very well. They lost by like forty eight to Georgia. Because Georgia's better at football than them. <laughs> it's like that's all it that's all it really comes down to. It's like, are you good at the sport? Like TCU, that game was not they got blown out in the championship. Yeah. But they, that's a team that did everything, like they were getting like praised by all like the sports scientists and everything saying like that everything they're doing is perfect. And then Georgia just comes in and fucking steamrolls them yeah. because they're just better. And that's what I think should be your goal. It's like, are you good at the sport? Yeah. Are you being able to hit the ball consistently 400 feet? Yeah. Are you able to steal bags? Are you able to read like what the pitcher's doing? There's intangibles in every sport that you can't measure and quantify. And coaches can't really take credit for because every athlete's going to be different. And every athlete's going to have their own set of movements and skill sets that that's what the coach is there for is to put them in the right position but like Mookie Betts is a great example for the baseball world is that he's like a high level bowler he can do backflips he smokes a driver like a freak out like super fast like does everything he can play shortstop he can play right field he can play first he smokes the ball every time he's up at the plate or most of the time you can't really like study that it's like that's just a dude that's just uh, a baller like at a certain point you gotta just be a dog at in whatever sport you play and like football like there's a great examples of football there's great examples of basketball like Allen Iverson having to go out and party the night before a big game yeah like, there's no scientist that will say that will recommend yeah go out to a nightclub the night before a game 
get four hours of sleep, pull up 15 minutes before shoot around and drop 50 points. So like, it's, it's completely different. And I think like a lot of kids, not saying to go out and party, but to find what works for them and not get lost in the minutia of like what is right. Cause there is really no right way to do things. There's, yeah. there's a ton of ways to skin a cat. That, yeah. That's where I was going to tell you as well is cause like, obviously those who know me know that I was mentored by Kevin Foster, Javelin Anatomy. And, um, so the way he breaks things down is like very, very like, you know, scientific, scientific and anatomical and whatnot. But then he also is a very big believer in like the just move movement capacity takes care of like most things and like how movement capacity, rhythm and like your body's ability to transfer energy and whatnot, like takes care of most things. And then how like, you know, the certain little, um, you know, movements of like the foot and the knee and whatever, like it just looks different for everyone. And that's a big thing too, is like, like you were saying, like, you know, you got to break it down differently for everyone. And like someone like Jordan who did play multiple sports and wasn't super bought into javelin, he needed it. When I was then translating that knowledge from, from Kevin to me, then me to Jordan, I had to like frame it in a different way so that Jordan would actually buy into it. Um, And then also from the fact of like, like you were talking about, like everybody is different and like, it's always going to look a little off. Like I remember the world record thrower, Jan Zelezny even said like when he threw the, the world record, like 98, 48, he said that it wasn't a technically perfect throw. He's like, the angle was a little too high. And like, if you look at certain things, he's like, I could have done better. And it's like, I mean, it was the world record throw. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, I mean, you could always be better, but it's just like, you know, optimization of, those positions and like how things look and the mechanics aren't always going to be like, you know, just really good rhythm and elasticity and power and stuff, you know, just coming together. That's why like a lot of times you see these throws that, um, they don't look textbook, but they still go far because, you know, you just hit a really good one one time. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's why I like the multiple sports aspect. Cause I think it just teaches kids how to compete. Like, like if you go into basketball never training for basketball and like you don't make it your whole life like I know when I cared a lot about it I would play worse and now if I went and played pickup yeah. like I would probably I haven't I haven't touched the ball in like a, year, a basketball in like a year but I would score way more than I would back then because I wouldn't be thinking about it I would just be like I'm going to get the ball in the hoop that's all that matters yeah. like can you put the ball in the hoop there's crazy circus shots all the time that go off that aren't a textbook Right leg, left leg, uh, hit the top of the hit the top of the uh, corner every single time and like make it. Yeah. Like no, you're like you're freaking Kareem hook shot. Yeah. Sometimes going in like you're shooting off balance one foot. They're going in like it, the whole objective is to just do what the sport requires. Like you got to put the ball in the hoop. Yeah. You got to hit the ball. You got to put the bat on the ball. And baseball is a big thing. Like there's plenty of swings that are terrible that get the result that you want. But there's also you can have the perfectly sound swing and have every mechanics perfect square up the ball and it could be an out. Like you can hit, do everything right. Like baseball is like one of the only sports I think that you can do literally everything right and not get the result you wanted. Like you, you could still be out. You can hit it right yeah. to somebody. Dude, remember the shift? Like remember the shift? Yeah, bro. They the started shift. shutting that down because yeah. it was just too easy, bro. <laughs> it was too easy. <laughs> they were just going in the right spot every time. Yeah. It's like, that's what... Suck, the suck sucks about it is baseball is a mentally draining sport because 
even if you do everything right and you get an out, then you're going back to the dugout and you're like, was that, like, and then you start overthinking, like, was that that perfect swing? Like, did I get my hands back properly? Did I load up my hip? Like, then you just start thinking everything. When you step into the box, you just got to compete. And hitting's like that because it is the spotlight moment. Like, you're in the box. Like, you only get three attempts a game to maybe four to do something productive for your team. Pitching's like that. Pitching's very, like, biomechanically sound. Like, if you're thinking about your biomechanics on the mound, like, you're screwed. Like, yeah. You're screwed. Like, Sansone, Sansone's a good example because he doesn't think at all. He just, all he thinks about is what pitch is called, and I'm going to throw it in that spot, and if it gets you out, it gets you out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, it is what it is. Like, sometimes hitters make good, like, good adjustments and swing. Like, you can have a perfect pitch. A batter can just get his bat out there. Fluky single. I mean, he's on base, and that's against your... Um, your stats, but there's nothing you can do about it. So if you just go up there and just try to get the out, it works. And there's times where pitchers miss really high and batters still swing at it and they get the result they wanted. Yeah. So at yeah, the end so of the day, it's like a mistake, but someone else makes a worse mistake. So yeah, it like benefits you. Yeah. Unless you like leave like a freaking cookie right down the middle then you don't want to do that. But yeah, like that's where I think the mental side of it comes into it. Like if that's all you do is play baseball year round, it's really hard to have that not care mentality. Like just, instead of just competing, you're always gonna be thinking about it if you're always around it. I know that's how I was. Like yeah. I played baseball year round, like that's all I thought about. And I became super analytical and it just made you really tight. And like made you like tense up. You're like, this is all I've done. This is all, like this is my life's work. Yeah. So I need to produce something. Yeah. It, but then if I took time to just do more sports I didn't care about, like I was talking to you, like we're having a pickleball uh, thing open up right next to us. Like, I want to play pickleball. I've never played pickleball before. I'll probably suck at it. But that's the whole point is like, just move around and have fun with it. And then eventually probably get pretty good. But I think that's missing. in a lot of athletes training is just doing things that require high levels of athleticism that you can't really think about where you just have to compete. Yeah. And that's where like, I love the games and the small sided games and like handball was a good one. Yeah, like, dude, if you're can't, if you're crying over a handball loss, dude, freaking, right? I'm pretty sure Giannis Vetter plays handball in the off season. Dude, yeah, <laughs> it's like he's just and like I, I'm pretty sure he's wearing the he wears his track uniform too. <laughs> like, I saw a video of him playing and he was wearing the full thing. I was like, dude, that's dope. Uh, is it your birthday tomorrow? It is my birthday tomorrow. Oh, word, I just remember. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday! This is a birthday podcast. Let's go, baby. About to be 24. Old, catching up to me. I know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I felt that way too. When I, um, I feel like when I was in high school, like obviously I would go out and just throw jab like two months out of the year. And like, I'd play football and every year I got better. And then, um, when I went to college and that became my only thing, and that was the only thing I was determined to do was throw 70 meters. And, you know, then after I got my Tommy John, like just training around the clock for three seasons, like without a season or three years without a season of just like kind of just training and training and training and not really knowing what I was training for anymore. And then just getting back wrapped up into the frustration of like not having a sport and whatnot, um, or like not having a season. It was just super frustrating. I mean, I let it take a toll on me mentally. And then my, my two years when I ended up, you know, my senior year of college and grad school, I didn't perform as well as I, I trained, you know, I trained for super long and got way, way, way better, but I didn't show that in the meets because I just took it way too serious. And then it's like now when I train 
because it's not my main priority anymore because I am doing like podcasting and YouTube and like Instagram and I'm working full time and coaching at Southern and, you know, trying to grow the business and like all this stuff. It's like training is like a very small portion of what I do. And now it's just like, I just make it fun. And, um, I've noticed like an extreme benefit in like not only my technique, but like my performance, like this, this fall when I was throwing, it was just so much smoother and fluid than ever before. Uh, was be partially because like I was doing all these other things and not putting all my, all my weight into, into the jab. I was talking to, um, Ethan Shalloway yesterday and he was talking about that aspect too, where, you know, a lot of these guys will, um, they will graduate from college and then they go and like, you know, they're working enough to kind of pay the bills, but they're, they're grinding to try to go to the Olympics and still compete and prove a personal best. And it's not very, like we talked about with Mike, it's not very financially rewarding in your twenties when you're trying to play minor league baseball or throw javelin professionally in the U S it's not lucrative. And so a lot of these guys put a lot of pressure on themselves to like perform at the right time because the, the big meets have prize money and like they, well, you know, if they, score well at the big meets it improves their world ranking and then the world ranking allows them to be able to qualify for bigger meets which is like more prize money and like you know all that stuff and um a lot of their career depends on that and it's like you know you could show up to like a backyard meet and throw like you know 80 meters but then it's like you if you go to this big meet where there's prize money and it's like a ranked meet and you know there's high stakes and whatnot it's like, you know, you need like 75 to make the final where a lot of other meets you kind of know you have a guaranteed six throws. You're going to like, you know, he's like the 70 meter line feels like it's like never been further away. And it's like you t- tense up and you get a little nervous and it's like, you know, you're at, you know, you're at a, an event and you're at a venue that like you just, um, you know, you don't always have the perfect warm up scenario, even at like Mount Sac where Jordan and I went last year, which was like one of the biggest meets we went to is a different meet is in that sense where I wasn't allowed in like a coaching box. Like I was like outside the fence, just watching basically. And like for Jordan and I to talk in between throws, he had to like walk across the track, like, which like he couldn't do in between throws. He had to like wait until in between finals and or prelims and finals. And so it was just like, that was a different experience too. And it's like, it's just those big meets are different and you know, having those those higher stakes and like putting your self-worth and like trying to win the money and like help your world ranking and like all that type of stuff has a big part to play in like how you could perform yeah it's it's high stakes especially at that point like it's their livelihood like for most high schoolers though i just want them to know like that it's not their livelihood yeah not yet at least if they want to keep pursuing it but never to lose that fun component i think that's where just playing multiple sports and getting outside your comfort zone and trying to learn a new skill like that can just help a ton like Derek Jeter used to play basketball he's actually recruited for basketball not baseball hmm. and then a Yankee scout when it went in oh man was it Doritos or Oreos he went in to go buy from a vending machine but a Yankee scout went into the high school to go grab something from the vending machine and then saw Jeter's backhanded throw across the diamond and was like we need that kid it's like it's just like Jeter's just doing what he was doing, was probably going to go for uh, basketball, not baseball. And then the Yankee scout, it was just right place, right time, and then got him in and, like, wanted him to, like, be in that system. And That's crazy. Jeter being Jeter, like, the captain, a great shortstop. That was the only team he played for, right? Yeah. That's nuts. How many years? I think it was, like, 17. 
I think. It's crazy. Like I feel like I can't feel like it was longer than that. Longer? He had like five or six rings. Yeah, it, it's weird to me that he had so many rings because I, I wasn't alive for most of them. You know, I remember yeah. Jeter obviously playing like a lot during my childhood and stuff, but I think the only one that they won when I was alive was 2009. Yeah. That was like for the Patriots, like we won six Super Bowls, but they were all in my lifetime. And they, I mean, like not that I really remember the other ones, but it was just a little bit more recent that I remember like having that bragging right of like, Six Super Bowls in my lifetime. Like, let's go, baby. I did that. That's my team. <laughs> nah, but that's that's the thing that upsets me about Brady leaving the Pats was that he, um, you know, he could have had the opportunity to be at one team his whole career, which unfortunately didn't work out that way. But, I mean, I'm so glad that he went to – I mean, at least he won he another Super one. Bowl. Yeah. yeah, that's sick. If he went somewhere else and then just, like, tanked, it would have been sad to see. But at least yeah. he was still good. I mean, freaking talk about your livelihood. I mean, ruined his whole family. Like, he got divorced just to play another year of football. He's married to the game, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he chose football over his family. I like that's just a different – you can't really compare yourself to, like, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, the Kobe's, like – those people are completely yeah. different. But Dude, I remember, like, when they announced that they were getting separated, I was like, I feel like that's not even real. You know, yeah. you feel like it's just one of those headlines. It's like, ah, oh, it's fake news. It's fake, yeah. Fake news. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got political. No, I'm just playing. All right, let's get back on topic. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I know a big thing that we talk about is, like, how fall ball kind of sucks, too. And... I, I just see that as well as, like, you know, for me, like, with my baseball group at Upward, like, we ran the Jack Javelin program um, for the last 12 weeks. And, you know, the idea of my group was, like, I wanted, like, all four people to be there all the time and, like, have a really good atmosphere and compete and, like, have it be a small group so that enough of us would, like, um, enough of us would be able to, like, I, I could give them each individual attention that it wasn't too big, but it wasn't, like, a one-on-one either. Because I don't, I don't like like maxing out and like testing velo like on a one on one. It's just like not as electric. But you know, it's just like there were times where like the fall ball schedule got in the way, or like the preseason basketball and stuff like that. And it was a little unfortunate from the. I mean, the preseason basketball wasn't as bad because like that kid was able to train all through the summer and the fall. So it was like mm-hmm. a couple of days missed here and there during the fall. Like you know, he's just got to take responsibility and you know make it up on his own. But it's like, dude, like being away all summer traveling for baseball, which three of the kids did during that in that group. They were all away all summer just like playing ball and whatnot. And then they come in in the in the fall and like then they're back and forth between the gym and fall ball and missing sessions and stuff. It's just like, guys, come on, like let's show up consistently, please, yeah. you know. I mean, even fall, like no one wants to be there. Like yeah. in the Northeast, fall ball is just – Extremely cold, extremely windy. Like, it's always overcast, no matter what. <laughs> Every game I played in the weekend, it was always overcast for some yeah. reason. And, like, the parents don't want to be there. Dude, there was like, this the one. The coaches was, don't want to be there. There was, like, five weeks this year where every Saturday rained. Yeah. Because I remember, like, you know, with my, my private lessons at the field and stuff or practice at Southern or whatever, it was just, like, dude, every Saturday in a row rained from, like, September to, like, October or whatever. Yeah, it sucks. And... It's just, and if you're not, if you don't have a collegiate level quality that a college coach or scout would be interested you in, like interested in, like what's the point of showcasing it in fall ball? Like yeah. if you throw seventy eight, 
Like you're not getting recruited throwing 78. So something's off. Like you're probably weak. You're not explosive. Your mechanics might be like terrible. So why don't you use, instead of going out there and just keep throwing more of your shitty throws, why not use that time to take it back, focus on like the base of the pyramid, get stronger, get faster, work on like dietary habits and getting into a better routine that way. And then when you, then when it comes springtime, you're a completely transformed athlete that then can actually have something to showcase and promote. Like that's the, that's the thing with like the showcases around the area that I think for 90% of the athletes, it's a big money grab. It's like they promised that there'd be a lot of college coaches there. And like, as like a kid, like you see that, like, I need to go, like, I need to be out in front of them, but you gotta be honest with yourself. Like you have nothing to show them. Like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. That's like, yeah, that, that's how I looked at it too. When like, um, when I would compete during the season, you know, train all off season, compete during the season. And then by the end of like the spring or whatever, it's like I'd thrown like 59 or 60 meters and it was just like, you know, why am I going to keep throwing in meets, throwing like 59 and 60 meters? I was always just like, well, it's, you know, I'm in it for the long run. I'd rather throw 70, but it's like, obviously something's off. So just shut it down for the summer and just get back to work on the off season. Yeah. And that's kind of like where, that's where I, I, I always saw that as a benefit. So it was like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, you could work on technique and practice and then go try to like figure it out in the meet and stuff like that. But, um, I think just having to take the long-term approach sometimes is what people need to do. I think that they are like, oh, like if I play these games like right now, I'm going to get better right now. But it's like, okay, but baseball is very similar to the sense in, in Javelin where it's like at this point in my life, like I don't have to be, you know, I wish I could tell myself when I was 22, you don't have to throw 70 meters at 22. Like you can, you can go up a couple meters a year and, and be able to hit it by the time you're you're like 27, 28, whatever, and still be all right. It's like, if you're elite, elite, like, you know, at a young age, like Mike Stein or Jordan or someone like that, obviously you want to try to get it early on. But I just wish I kind of took the pressure off myself at a younger age and just enjoyed it a little bit more and, and, and was a little bit smarter with how I trained in the off season. Um, there's a kid from URI, his name's Jacob Moran, who he was a really good example of that, where I'm pretty sure he threw like 60 in college or something like that. And he did the multi and uh, javelin wasn't his main event. So he did nine other events. And then, um, and then he graduated, started training for jab, had Tommy John surgery when he was like 26, like didn't PR for like years. And then when he was like 29, he threw like 70. Then last year he's like, I'm pretty sure he's like 31 now. And he's like throwing like 72. It was like, I mean, he, uh, yeah, so I mean, that's like a cool, a cool little story too. It's just like, yeah, you know, you don't need to have it all figured out like at that young of an age, like unless you're, you know, at a very, very elite level where, you know, you want that to be like your full-time career and salary and whatnot. And like, um, you know, it just depends on how much you love it and if you want to just keep going with it or not. Yeah, like that's the problem with like, I just, that just made me think of like the early specialization as like a young kid like 9 10 11 12 year old parents come up to you and be like my son plays football like he's going to the league I'm like your son's nine i was like yeah. he, he probably won't even like football and like, nfl might not even be around <laughs> <laughs> who knows who knows but like dude like why don't you just just invest in your kid to have fun 
Like, he likes football. He loves football. So, like, just play it. But he's not a football player. He's a nine-year-old kid that plays football. Yeah. Like, he's not a football... So he's not going to... Like, he could go to the NFL. Like, you don't need to have that approach at nine. Like, there's the, um... Like, the Marinovich, uh... Experiment. So, um... The Power Plus guy, like, has all of his training. Like, that's what they see as, like, the twitchy stuff. But... His son... Like, the guy that started the training, like, he had a son that was a quarterback that from like a super young age like programmed him to to be an elite quarterback it was like his experiment to make a high level quarterback so it was extremely regimented he ate like almost like a, a carnivore diet like, like everything's perfect nutrition's perfect training's perfect technique's perfect he was a great quarterback he's actually drafted above Brett Favre in the draft like he was sick but then when he had the freedom outside of uh, his dad and like his environment like he started doing like daily marijuana use and then led to like higher drugs and he got bounced out of the league in two years what was the whole point of his whole life then is like just to get off the rails and go like party and do drugs and then get kicked out of the league for failing five drug tests I think he ended up failing so like that's the thing like early specialization is like you're so strict at that young age and then you just keep keeping that you keep keeping that hold on for 18 years and they go off to college or they ended up do getting drafted, but they have so much free time that they don't know how to cope with it. Yeah. And that's when they find the other outlets. Yeah. So that's what's important with um, kids, just like having fun with it and not being so strict and regimented because you're going to get burnt out. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's happened time and time again. And like, no matter how perfectly planned you have something, like something can get thrown in and something changes. Yeah. What do you what do you see the benefits are like in terms of like injuries because you know say you're like a really really elite level like baseball player but you also play basketball and then you go tear your ACL playing basketball and then it's like well was it worth it but then you also have the people that like tear their UCL or their labrum because they're throwing year round so it's like you know what are the pros and cons in your mind of like um, of like playing different sports in terms of like injury risk well. You can get injured doing anything. Like I heard my foot just walking yesterday. <laughs> so it's Man. the only way. The only way to avoid Austin has Austin made this post and I thought it was funny because it was true. Like the only way to avoid injury at all costs is to sit in your couch and do absolutely nothing. Like that's the only way. Like if you want to live your life that way and be super safe and not have anything to worry about, do that. Sit in your couch, watch Netflix, don't move. You won't get hurt. It's just simple. But if you want to be great at whatever sport you're playing, or you want to be a high-level athlete, and you want to like produce for your team and win games, there's going to be an element of injury risk. It's just how it is. Like that's just a, a fact that you have to deal with. So yeah, if you love basketball and baseball at the same time, you end up getting hurt playing basketball. It sucks. But what's the next step? Just rehab it and figure it out. And then usually the injuries help you learn about your body more. Like I know you. Kevin and Mike all tore or partially tore your UCL mm-hmm. and then you guys all said how much you learned from it and learned about your bodies and everything so injuries are a blessing in disguise for people like that that can use it as an opportunity to level up something else because your UCL or your knee gave out for some other reason that mm-hmm. you probably were neglecting in your training so that's when you go back to the drawing board and you start yeah. back up it's the like the story of Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you push the boulder all the way up the hill, you get to the top, torn UCL, go back to the bottom. 
all right, now I got to push this boulder up the hill. And then something else happens, it goes right back. So it's just a constant cycle of self-improvement and learning. Like you get hurt, sure, you can cry about it for a day or two, but then you got to figure it out. Like what else, like what do you want to do about it? Like yeah. you want to sit on your couch and never get hurt again because you're scared. It's like a likely outcome. But yeah. if you want to get back out there with your teammates and you want to keep playing the sport that you love, then go for it. There's a time though, like JJ Watt is probably a good example of that because this dude like had to had to retire because he could not stay healthy to save his life. Like that's just an extreme case. So like he would, he, he was like bound to just walking. So he's like, I'm gonna be the best walker on earth and walk 10 miles a day because that's all he could do. Great mentality. Came back, got hurt again after like two games. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, and then does that whole thing again. And like it, it just comes to a point where it's just not safe. Yeah. Like, that's like an that's like an extreme example, but like a torn UCL or a torn ACL, it's not the end of the world. It's a nine month, ten month, year long journey of working back up to it and trying to rebuild yourself. So if you want to take that risk and play other sports, there's a risk to reward no matter what you do. But if you train accordingly and know like how you your body moves on the court and you can play safe not play safe, but like play in a way that it'll be a lot safer on yourself, then yeah, go for it. But like Derrick Rose was like that too. Like he tore his like meniscus three times, I think, or twice. Like he doesn't, he doesn't dunk anymore. Like mm. He doesn't, not nearly as explosive. He just changed his game to like, because that's his job. Like he still needs to get paid. So he just found other ways to be productive for his team. And that's what you can do. Like his mid range and his three pointer were never really that good when he was MVP got hurt, that's all I worked on. And then he actually became a pretty good mid-range and three-point scorer. Yeah. Like, it's just stuff that everyone's different and everyone handles, like, the trauma and the pain a little differently. But if you have a good support system and you know you have people to fall back on, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, you get hurt, you get hurt. It is what it is. Like, you just got to suck it up at that point and then find a way to get better. Yeah. No, I always look at that too, right, because I think that for me – without Tommy John, like, Jack Javelin wouldn't be here, you know? Like, I think that without Tommy John, like, I wouldn't have discovered the mobility stuff. Like, I wouldn't have discovered, I probably wouldn't have reached out to Kevin because I I initially reached out to him because I knew that he had Tommy John by the same doctor as me. Um, You know, I, I don't know that, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that I see that happen because of Tommy John and, like, just really learning and, and going outside of what I already knew and the coaches I had and just looking and searching for like different answers and, you know, just really discovering a lot more in terms of like, you know, S and C and, and the mobility and just how the body works and all that type of stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have never like dove deep into like the programming or the spinal hygiene and the movement if I never hurt my back. Like my, uh, herniated two discs in my low back. I never programmed anything. Everything was just free ball. Like go into the weight room, lift as heavy as humanly possible, and then leave, and yeah. be there for two hours and get torched. So I I never really learned about the movement side of things, or like I knew a little bit about mobility, but not nearly as much. I didn't know anything about the isometrics or mm-hmm. like the long duration isos. I didn't know how to make a Google spreadsheet to put a program on it. Like all the stuff that like I can do pretty well now and like I can help other athletes with and they have the same injury. Like I'm an outlet for them is that I can help them through that process and just 
and like it's not like and give them reassurance that like it's not the end of the world like yeah. i hurt my back four months later i squatted 507 i was like it is like, it wasn't that long in the grand scheme of everything like it's not yeah, that yeah. long yeah. of a time like four months exactly. is not that it's like one macro cycle yeah even if, even one um even one year isn't that much you know it's like i always look back and i'm like you know this past year how i took that year off after college to kind of figure out my life and then you know kind of signed up for two meets last minute this summer and did well in terms of like I still opened up actually further this year than I did when I was in grad school obviously like having six competition throws not much like all season is not much you could really work with but I was like man like I wasn't even I wasn't even far off like what I did when I was in grad school like what would happen if I didn't take that year off like I would have PR'd this year like I would be on such a better track for like you know, next season. And I'm just like, dude, I can't think about that anymore. It's like, you know, it was necessary for me at that point to take yet another step back from the sport, learn a lot about coaching, learn how to operate, you know, post-collegiate life and learn how to, you know, be married and like, you know, all these new things that were happening in my life and like learning how to start my own brand and like learning how to sh- set all this podcast <laughs> equipment up. It's really hard. <laughs> got the mics working. Yeah, so, so all that stuff, it's like I can't sit here and just be like, what if Like I didn't waste that year of training? It's like, all right, whatever. You know, I still did mobility. I still sprinted. I still jumped. I still lifted. Like, I was fine. I just didn't throw. And it's like now that, you know, now that I had that experience and that step away from the sport, it's like it rejuvenated my, my passion for it again. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to take a little bit of that time off just to reevaluate like who you are as a person without it. Yeah. Like, I know like I have real no intentions of ever playing baseball again. Like at all. You gotta join Austin Yoakum's men's softball league. Dude, softball does look kinda lit. But um like I haven't done it in a while. I haven't touched a bat in like two years, three years. I have no real intention to just Christmas. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> Christmas swings. <laughs> But I, I have no real intention of doing it. Maybe one day, but I know I have a better appreciation for the athletes that I work with, and like I know like what they go through, and I know the sh- like the grind. It is a grind of what baseball is like. Collegiate baseball, you practice every day, train three times a week, you run so much. Like it sucks, and if you don't have that core value of yourself of loving baseball, and, like you know, like you're not the sport. And, like, you're just doing this because you like it. Like, it does test you a little bit. Of like, wow, why am I here? Like, why yeah. like, like, why am I doing the 6 a.m. workout here? Like, this sucks. Like, why am I running 20 poles? This is awful. Like, but Because your coach doesn't know what's best for you. Exactly. Yeah, the coach, mental toughness training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, just to wrap up here, what, um, what would you say the difference between, like, being – being like sports specific in college versus high school like do you think like when is the best when at what point do you specialize like in in your in your mind so when you by junior senior year high school i think you would have a pretty good idea of what sport you're better at and what sport you enjoy more and if you want to go play collegiate that's another thing too like you can be a really good high school player you don't have to play in college that's just a big thing is like my mindset is like I have to play in college you don't have to if you really are burnt out after high school baseball and you want to just have a great high school career you want to just go enjoy college and not have to deal with it yeah that's that's fine but um 
if your if your goal is to play collegiate and like you want to specialize in one sport, like I think junior, senior, high school is like when you can really hone in on it. And if that's what you're getting recruited for, then take some time off of doing that. But I know like Harrison was getting recruited to play lacrosse and football at Dartmouth, like and he just chose football because obviously football at they just won the championship in the Ivy League as, as well. Like that's going to be extremely taxing on your body to try to do two sports at once. So I think. You can try to figure it out your senior year. If you're a, if you're like one of those guys that are like really good though, and you're starting on two teams, like you're the stud football player and you're the stud lacrosse player, you can't quit on your guys senior year. Like you're gonna be a captain for both oh, sports. Oh yeah, high school. You mean? And high school, like you gotta play. I was yeah, like, you yeah. have to. Yeah. It, it, you can make that choice if you want to just play one sport in college. If you're someone that like like you're really like you're pretty good at baseball and you're playing uh, basketball and you're like kind of you kind of suck. Like, you can pick and choose like like what you want to do at that point. Yeah. Like if you're not playing at all basketball, but you have to do all the training conditioning when you're riding the bench. Yeah, taking away from like strength training. Yeah, then you can then you can look at it from that approach. That's why I quit track. I was like, I'm not good. I'm not going to states track. I was like, I'm not. Like senior year, I stopped track because I was like, I need to focus more on baseball and like get myself ready for the season. I was like, track's been great and it's been fun, but it like I knew like I wasn't getting better at baseball during that time yeah. and like I knew I wanted to go in college and play so I took that time like just to stop doing track to just focus on that but if you're enjoying the sports you're playing and like you're really good at all of them like I'm not going to be the one to be in like stop like you have to stop like yeah. you have to just focus on one like Aaron Judge was all state in three sports like Aaron Judge did um he did basketball football and baseball he's also 6'8 helps. but like Nico Organi Iowa uh football like he was he was track, football, and lacrosse. He was nasty at lacrosse. People yeah. said he was better at lacrosse than football, which is nuts. So like, it, it's person dependent. It's like what your goals are and like what your main focus is. But by, I would say by senior year of high school, like I think you would have a good grasp of what your future is gonna look like in college. Yeah. And then from there you can make the decision like if you want to continue the sport, it's gonna be a tough decision. But if there's no like right or wrong way to do it like it's your career it's your life it's your athletic journey it's like if you want to keep doing whatever sports you're doing obviously do it yeah but yeah i think that like um track is like one of those few sports that like if you were really good at it like say um like jordan right like he went to college primarily for football and like that was his main sport um and then was also throwing javelin and stuff and it's like if you're someone like jordan who you know doesn't have injuries or like isn't like injury prone like you know very healthy body like elastic elite level athlete like that you're able to um you're able to like stay healthy doing a sport like like track if you're if you're one of those people who's like pulling their hamstring all the time or like you know i mean or if you're you're throwing jab and like your back and your hip is like a mess because of it then maybe you you have to question like which one is is better or not but if you're an overall like healthy athlete and you're able to go through track kind of like unscathed then like track is very big strength and conditioning dominated sport where like you're you're in the weight room four days a week like you're doing mobility you're you're running you're jumping you're stretching like it's a very good off-season sport if you are playing like a fall sport and stuff um you know so it's like track is one of those where I think that like a lot of people still do kind of get away with or not a lot but a decent amount more than other sport sports get away with doing it in college as well 
just because of like the dynamic of like that should complement your sport. You know, it's like so we have a lot of football players that will like run or like will run or throw and um, you know or some even jump. Like we had a, a couple jumpers as well on the team, but like you know track should complement the other sport. And mm-hmm. it's like, but it, it, it comes like a, a time thing where it's like you are still, if you're competing indoors and you're competing outdoors, you're still kind of like limiting yourself in the weight room a little bit, like not pushing to like max strength or not always going for like, you know, not really having like a general prep phase or anything like that, like where you're trying to like build muscle or work on some deficiencies and stuff. Cause like you might always be in season and that might not be always good for you either. But for someone like Jordan who only threw outdoors, which was like April and May, and then you had the summer to get ready for football, and then you had the football season, then you had the whole winter to like lift and build back up and like get healthy and whatnot, that's fine. But we had like a hurdler on the team that played football, like a, he was like a linebacker. And, you know, it was like straight into from football season, was right into indoor, right into outdoor, and then you had the summer to get ready for football. And he didn't last very long on the team because I think that it was just like, it was too much competing. Um, whereas like the throwers do typically a better job of like being able to handle both sports. So, but I think that it has a lot of psychological benefits as well as like, um, from a buy-in standpoint, like I think that like for some people, like you were talking about, like just doing one sport year round could be, could lead to burnout, especially too, if it is like in context of like a collegiate track and field where you're only, competing April and May and then that's it it was like it was hard for me to to just train for 10 months out of the year and not do much of anything else so like looking back at it I wish I would be would have I wish I was healthy enough to continue to compete like during the summer to have a longer season and then just have like September to February or like August to February for like my off season to kind of get a little bit more experience with like the competition reps and and to be able to just like practice the sport at a higher higher intensity a little bit more because it was always hard for me to replicate that in practice but i think that um like from from a buy-in perspective of someone that's not like obsessed with the sport yet having like another sport to play also will help kind of balance it out because you're not just like eggs aren't all in that one basket you know mm-hmm. sweet you got any closing remarks nah i think we got everything play multiple sports Stop calling yourself a PF. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you.